Greetings, salutations, one and all, and welcome in. Pull up a boat, why don't you? It is raining. If you are listening on the radio right now, you are listening on 93.9 FM because News Talk 1400 is, for the moment, not uh, not putting out a signal to you be, because of this storm. So we appreciate you listening on our on our 93.9 signal. Responding well to the water. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Something. I think our FM, I think Light Rock 97.5 is also trying to brave the weather. So we're with you here, FM, on the stream as well. And we've got a great show for you. There's a lot to dive into. It's uh, There's actually plenty of football and basketball discussion for you. Robert Rosenthal from IlliniBoard.com will pull up his arc in the next few minutes and uh, join us here to talk some Illini football after four days of training camp what do we see or not as as the case may be and uh brad underwood met with the media today uh, wrapping up summer workouts he gives us his perspective on all of that and we've got uh illinois baseball news michael massey back in the bigs and he's got a couple of hits already playing in front of his hometown team, the Chicago White Sox. He's at guaranteed rate right now. White Sox lead it 4-1. to one, And Michael Massey has uh, got a couple of hits. Career batting average of 500. Good to Five see the former Illini. Huh? Former Illini. And he got a... Li- I mean, I don't want us to call the last time, you know, illegitimate, but he got a bona fide call up this time. You remember last time was mm-hmm. they needed all those guys because of the vaccination issues. Well, this is trade involved here this time. Whit Merrifield out, uh, mm-hmm. traded away. Michael Massey promoted starting second baseman today for the Kansas City Royals. So he's going to get a little run here. He's going to get an opportunity to show what he can do this latter part of the season. Absolutely. So, so here we go. Um, what do you want to uh, What do you want to dive into here first, Mister Tate? Well, I just thought that Underwood had an awful lot to say, particularly about Sky Clark and the fact that he. Uh, has is not not only uh, has been cleared, but is evidently starting to show it on the court, and that's key for Illinois because he is the only point guard they have on the team. Yesterday, they put out a video on their social media, perhaps to assuage any fears that he's not good to go. But Underwood weighed in on that uh, today, and also a little bit of. Uh, uh, back up if you will on on Zachary Perrine yeah. coming in he's still got to get through all the paperwork to be a student sure. in he's, the country and all that stuff he's going to be a little behind and they're going to bring him along slowly he's he's he'll be a rookie but he's been playing he had a good average uh, for the season 21.5 and 11 rebounds and then in this uh, recent game that they lost to Germany that France lost to Germany at 18 and 13 in 26 minutes that's uh, that's good scoring and that's good rebounding Absolutely. So things are, are are humming here. Yesterday we were in Chicago for Big Ten Volleyball Media Days, and uh, we had a good time up there. Also, it, this has been a mixture for me. Uh, last night, uh, after the trade deadline was all set, I was you know trying to. I went to flip on TV. I said, I wonder what all the the what the scuttlebutt. I had a, after the show last night. I had a meeting. Had to go somewhere. Came home late, and I thought, well, I just want to catch up and see what all where all the final dust settled. And um, the first thing I turned to is MLB TV, mm-hmm. and there's uh, John Miller uh, talking, and he starts talking about uh, Vin Scully. And I thought, oh, okay, well, they're airing a documentary about Vin Scully. I said, well, that's nice. Uh, but, you know, I think they would actually be talking trade deadline. Well, lo and behold, I figure out that they are 
um, remembering him because the news had just broken. And I'm I'm pulled in by this, and then and then I had seen that the Dodgers were playing on TBS, so I flipped over there, and Brian Anderson is doing the national telecast of the Dodgers and the Giants, and they are talking about it, and he can hardly get through it. Mm-hmm. Scully had been a bit of a mentor to him. I think we all feel like he's been a mentor to us yeah. if we've ever called a baseball Everybody's game. Everybody's grandfather in the end. Yeah, but he he had particularly established some relationships with some up and coming broadcasters. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm I'm seeing this, and my heart is heavy. And at the same time, I'm recognizing that um, Whit Merrifield's been traded, and and I saw the news that Michael Massey yesterday been pulled out of the Omaha lineup, which is usually an indication that he's being shipped off. And lo and behold, he was on the move, and, and and just a whole mixture of emotions around baseball. But you know, the the the, the greatest ever is a phrase that gets thrown around sometimes too much. Well, not so with Vin Scully. Say, not with Vin Scully. No, I, well, I'd say west of the of the Rockies. I mean, there there's still people. I've I've talked to people today that think Jack Buck was better, but that's just uh, they were different. But uh, I think most major league people would lean towards Scully. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, do you want chocolate or vanilla ice cream? I mean, mm-hmm. they're just both outstanding. Yeah, uh, Scully's well, ability to weave a story mm-hmm. and weave a story among uh, while he's actually talking about the game, poetry mm-hmm. uh, and, and just precise, but um, almost a romantic use of words mm-hmm. uh, was unparalleled. You're not going to have a bad time listening to Jack Buck. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. he, he's a master. Any of the long timers, for that matter. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they're all good, but you know, just just something a little different with Vin. And he came up as the craft was being established. It wasn't like he... I mean, he studied with Red Barber and all that. But they were inventing play-by-play. They were making mm-hmm. it up. How to do it. Yeah. And, and, and to this day, there's nobody that could quite do it the way he did it. Um, and and he... You just... Uh, I mean, there's the famous bit you can find where he was asked to read a grocery list. And you're enthralled by it because of the way he just... that. That sonority, that tenor, came through. Did you see the and, John Gomes thing about the about Gomes having a problem with a wild animal? Yes, <laughs> with the snake. Well, Madison Bumgarner, you mean? Was that who it was? Was it Madison? Bumgarner? Are you talking about the snake story? No, no. This oh was this was a this was a wolf that that. Oh yeah. And and he completed the story right as the guy <laughs> finishes that bat. Yep. I saw another transcript of a story he's telling, and he's saying, uh, off, fouled off. And you're like, you know this guy's fouling off pitches. Uh, Michael Massey up here for the Kansas City Royals, and it looks like he's going to pop out to second base. So no three-hit day for him yet. That ends the top of the seventh, by the way, but the first time he is retired. Well, he had two of the top of the team, of the Royals, four hits. He had two of them, so he's doing fine. White Sox lead it four to one. And they're trying to capture that series, but yeah, um, it, it, the, the old joke was, or the old axiom for for announcers is, don't start a story with two outs, unless you're Vin Scully, because the batter knows to foul off enough pitches until <laughs> <so> you're done <laughs> to let him complete it. Yeah, there is also a story I saw a transcript of where he's he's talking about 4:20, and you know the the the, the day was April 20th, 4:20, and that is a sort of infamous day amongst people who enjoy marijuana uh, because of the police code for it and all that, and all that stuff. So it's sort of an unofficial holiday around that. 
Well, he recognized this and starts weaving in all these puns using the word high and all these other things, and then just rattles off a bunch of stats that he had looked up having to do with 420. Well, this guy hit 420 here, and this guy had 420 walks in his lifetime, and all oh, da 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 <laughs> And it, 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 it just blows your mind. But Well, he prepared for hours, and that's why he could do that. He did, and he had mm-hmm. some help on it. But the, the way he... Th- I heard John Shambi, who's the Cubs play-by-play announcer... The, the 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 famous call of Kirk Gibson's home run, which is regarded as his finest. Mm-hmm. In a year of the improbable, the impossible has happened. He said that in the moment, and Shambi said, "I don't know if you gave me three hours to come up with the perfect line for that that I'd ever come close to that." He just, well, he was a natural. He was a, you know, that's that's what the best do. Mm-hmm. Great story about him racing Jackie Robinson on ice skates. And he, he and Jackie Robinson and Jackie Robinson's pregnant wife went up to upstate New York and tried to tried to ice skate. And, you know, Jackie had never ice skated. It didn't go very well for him. If you've never ice skated before, it's not, you know, but him being a competitor and all that. But the Madison Bumgarner story is Bumgarner uh, chopping up a snake that he thought was a rattlesnake on his, on his land, and then he and his wife discovering a live baby jackrabbit inside the belly of this snake oh, and nursing kidding. it up to life. Oh, come on. And he w- uses that as a story about how to life of a major leaguer. You know, Madison Bumgarner had been up and down and, and how to persevere and bounce back, just like that jackrabbit. <laughs> the guy's giving you life lessons as he's ta- telling you about the two-one slider on its way. <laughs> um, but I, I don't. I, I and I've known a few people that have had brief or more um, uh, sustained relationships with Vin Scully. They all match up. They all align. Who he was on air was who he was off air. I've never mm-hmm. heard a negative word spoken about him. It's just incredible. Yeah, well, he he didn't want to take any of the credit, and he um, I, I read uh, Bill Plasky's uh, column on him, and it was it was a magical column uh, because it was about Ben Scully, and uh, he just he he was a perfect individual, it seemed like. Yep, and and it, I know he retired a few years ago, but as I was texting around with with various people. It hit him hard, and and you had announcers on air last night: Brian Anderson, Ernie Johnson, uh, Joe Davis, who who succeeded him as the Dodgers play-by-play man was, uh, you know, have was on the air last night as the news broke, and I didn't catch the, I didn't have the Dodgers telecast, only the national one, but people were visibly shaken up by the whole thing. That's how that's what that man meant to so many. Well, there was no hints that I knew about. Oh, yeah, I hadn't heard anything, but. Uh, a life well lived and uh, well served to baseball fans. All right, so we are off and running here on Sports Talk and going to come back, talk some football. Robert Rosenthal, com is coming in, we think, if he's got his slicker on right after this. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Yeah, he was, he was there. I was that was the voice of Tommy DeVito. A quarterback for the Illinois football team that may or may not be your starting quarterback 
come Wednesday or come August 27th, the opener. That's a Saturday, actually. It's not a Wednesday. Welcome back to Sports Talk. I'm Scott Beatty along with Lauren Tay. Robert Rosenthal has made his way in. I said male and female. Bring a male and a female for this uh, 40-day journey we're going to have. Okay, That's right. That's right. I was going to make a Noah's Ark joke as well. So. Ah, it's so, so easy. Someone Such. out on the Neal Street leading two horses two by two. Well, you got the Noah-like beard. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Lauren's got the Noah-like boat. age. Oh, I'm sorry. It was yeah. just too easy. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it is a severe thunderstorm warning here in, in Champaign County, so do take precautions. We've had some heavy lightning and a lot of rain and wind as well. And uh, we're on the air on the FM side, 93.9 FM, and Ed's out there, uh, uh, you know, with his umbrella, golf umbrella, trying to get us back on on the AM side, and we appreciate it. Robert, you're here to tell us about all the things that you have not seen at Illinois' Yes. Training camp so far. All the things we imagine from the other side of the fence where we're not able to watch. Right you know, now. I am starting to see a few out there on the social media. Purdue's having a select few practices open. Minnesota is. Yep. So yep. Nebraska mm. did an hour for their media the other day. And yeah, I hope we get the same because, uh, uh, yes, I, I don't want to go on my typical rant about you know, wanting to see more practice so that we can uh, evaluate the team preseason. What would you most be interested to see right now? Um, you know, there's there's the defense has a lot of different individual pieces that need to be replaced. How do you replace Kirby Joseph? How do you replace the two outside linebackers and Owen Carney and Isaiah Gay, who were so good by the end of the year? You know, how do you who, who's replacing Tony Adams at the other corner? Who's the nose guard? Is it is it Calvin Avery finally? Is it is it Virtus Brown? Is it well, he's injured, but will it be the Northwestern transfer T. Ra Edwards? You know, a- Avery says that they're only letting him eat lettuce. Oh, is that right? <laughs> Trying to get him down to three twenty, I think, or some number like that. Yes, uh, yeah. I don't. It, it's uh, there's just so much we're gonna. I mean, that first quarter of the Wyoming game, my brain's gonna be on overload because we're just gonna learn. You know, who's the starting quarterback? Who's, you know, what's the rotation of wide receivers? There's just so much we're not gonna know, and that's intentional. They don't want the Wyoming coaches to have any idea what's coming. They didn't want the Nebraska coaches last year to ha- have any idea. Um, but yeah, personnel-wise, uh, it's just hard to say until we until we see what they send out there for Wyoming. Why wouldn't Tommy DeVito be the starting quarterback? Um, well, that was the question I asked Brett Bielema yesterday in the press conference is, do you consider Art Sitkowski the returning starter? Because, as you might remember, the, the bye week before the Penn State game, they sat down both quarterbacks and they told Brandon Peters, hey, we're going with Art for the rest of the season. Uh, we're going to move you to second string. Art started that Penn State game and would have finished out the season had he not broken his wrist or arm in the fourth overtime or whatever it was. And that put Peters back in the starting role. So, you know, coaches talk all the time about, hey, I don't, uh, you know, I, I, somebody isn't going to lose their starting spot for me if they lose it to injury. When they get back, they, they get their spot back. So is Art Sikowski's the returning starter? And, and Coach Bielma said that he has used that term this offseason that he, that he calls Art the returning starter. So, you know, Sikowski missed the spring. He missed, uh, he had 
basically two different injuries to rehab. He rehabbed the broken wrist slash arm, and then he rehabbed the shoulder surgery he had. So he wasn't fully throwing until now, basically until July. And, uh, you know, now he's right there in a 1-2 competition with Tommy DeVito. May the best man win. I get he's a returning starter, but Tommy DeVito's ahead of him. I, one would assume. Uh, I, well, I don't know that spring, to be the case. Yeah. Yes. Based on, you know, Tommy coming here for one year. He has one year of eligibility. They brought in a transfer for this purpose, yes. But if we haven't seen 100% healthy Art Sitkowski yet, if he was 70% last year and they just played and said we'll do the shoulder surgery after the season, then I think he's going to have every chance to win this starting job. Well, he's very impressive on the hoof. Yes. And he, he's a future coach probably, he mm-hmm. thinks, and he talks the game well and he he has all the right ingredients, plus a strong arm, mm-hmm. and um, stronger than we saw last year. Mm-hmm. And at the, on the other hand, uh, what was uh, DeVito was like 16 out of 20 or in the spring game. Right. And, and very right. impressive. All, all of the, the receivers, uh, you had backup defenders guarding the receivers. If you, sure. They used the word guarding carefully there. Yes, yes. But... Um, I think it's a toss-up, and I, I think it's whoever the co- uh, coaches are comfortable with. And and uh, by the way, we got a new guy making the decision. It, you know, Correct. I'm, Bielema can overrule him, but he's not going to overrule. If Lenny comes to him and says, "This is my quarterback," that's Bielema's going to go with that. And I think it's worth noting what. Uh, Coach Bielma references his Wisconsin quarterbacks a fair bit. He did yesterday in the press conference. He talked about Scott Tolzien. He talked about, he's talked about Joel Stave before who started as a walk-on. He has referenced how he doesn't necessarily go with the quarterback who has the best stats or the best this or that. He wants a presence in the huddle. He wants a leader. He wants a communicator. He wants all the intangibles. He wants somebody who's not going to make mistakes. He, he he wants that. And that's what we always saw from Brad Bielma teams at Wisconsin was that type of Scott Tolzien, uh, you know, except Joel Stave quarterback. Yes, except <laughs> for the one year where uh, they invented the grad transfer thing by bringing in Russell Wilson and going to the Rose Bowl. But, um, but yeah, they, you know, he's mentioned those quarterbacks that can manage a game, and that's probably what he's looking for. Um, you know, look, look at last year in the Virginia game. Chase Hayden had got carries in the first two games, uh, first three games, actually. And the Virginia game, he has a fumble, bad fumble, gives Virginia the ball, they score, and Chase Hayden didn't play for like seven games. But we don't know if it was specifically that or if this is a coaching staff that is like, look, mistakes are not going to happen on this field. You make a mistake, you turn the ball over, silly mistakes, you're, you're just going to sit for a while. So, you know, we've seen the reputation DeVito has coming in. He can throw 16 for 20, but then what if he forces a throw into triple coverage and throws two picks? Will the coaching staff then go with, you know, maybe the, the quarterback who completely Completes nine of sixteen uh, for less than a hundred yards, but doesn't throw any picks. So I think that all is going to play into this. I would think, wouldn't you, that they would lean towards the safer quarterback? I don't want to call it risk averse, but the, the 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 guy who makes the smarter or wiser would be mm-hmm. wiser choices with throws. Maybe he doesn't execute them, yep. but limits the mistakes. Well, who is that? 
Well, I mean, in that example, <laughs> right. it in sounds that, like Art Sikowski. Right, but, but then look at Sikowski's stats in the Wisconsin game last year. He started like two for 18 in the yeah, game or whatever. He's so. been a 50% passer in his career. Yes. So if, if that's the case and DeVito is throwing 16 for 20, they are going to go with, with DeVito. So that's that's the choices. I mean, Lauren and I were just talking about this yesterday, I think. you know, He, he played... You know, he went back and forth between Peters and Sikowski last year. Uh, Peters had the injury and was probably like 90%, and they stuck with Sikowski for one more game before going back to Peters in the Maryland game. Uh, and then they switched him again for the Penn State game. So I could see a scenario where you play well, you beat... Uh, Wyoming, then you go to Indiana and somebody throws three picks, and when you come back for Virginia, the other guy gets a shot. You know, it could be so that kind of a fall uh, if if that's what. Uh, what you know, we, we don't want to see is a different quarterback for the Virginia game. That means the Indiana game didn't turn out very well. Right, 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 right. If you want to switch, you want to see him switch after Wyoming, right? Yes, correct. Yes. I'm glad uh, we're on radio so that uh, no one will see you roll your eyes if this analogy doesn't work. Okay. Uh, if we got three pizza joints in town that are all, and I'm not trying to go Bryson DeChambeau here, but mm-hmm. if we got three pizza joints in town that are all serving a deep dish pizza, right, mm-hmm. uh, that, 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 the baby's not enough to go around there, but but then the other place opens up and they got a nice thin crust going. I feel like Purdue is thin crust. Iowa and Wisconsin are deep dish, and Illinois is trying to create another deep dish joint. And I, I'm not. Purdue is doing in the West what nobody else is trying to do, and that's really have top end receivers. Mm-hmm. And, and they have a really good quarterback. Mm-hmm. Bielma seems to be trying to replicate, maybe with a nuance or, or a variation of what was successful at Wisconsin and what he grew up with at, at Iowa. And my question is, can you really be better at, than them at that game? Yeah, I think last year especially, I mean, since we saw the barge package and we saw all of, you know, all of the run-heavy stuff and, you know, the Purdue game of just give it to Josh. You didn't McCray. roll your eyes, by the way. So. I didn't. I okay. like it. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll answer it this way. Uh, you know, I think that's true. Iowa, Wisconsin are deep dish and, and Purdue is, is thin crust. Um, if this was Tony Peterson's offense again, I would say, yes, definitely this fall is going to be deep dish. It's possible that... Uh, Barry Loney might be Detroit style. It might be a square pizza. Yes, yes. Uh, it's hard to say. Now Lauren's rolling his eyes. Yes, I mean, we don't know if he's going to run the exact offense we saw when UTSA beat Illinois last September. But what we did see from that offense was three receivers. Maybe they weren't deep routes. Maybe it was just they just had a – it was almost – in a sense, air raid like it was almost like an old Texas Tech kind of Mike. Uh, you know, it, it's like the offense that's just like seven yards here, six yards here, seven yards here, and the fans start getting antsy of like, why can't we stop this? That was the UTSA game last year. UTSA had like one receiver with sixty catches and like two with ninety. They just had, had a heck th- of a running yeah. back. Yeah, and, that, and Illinois got a good uh, pair yes. of running back. I think you're going to see Illinois make every effort to run the ball. Yes, because that's and when Lunny threw the ball last year for UTSA, it really wasn't some big, wide-open thing. It was mm-hmm. just completion after completion after completion. Safe eight-yard route, catch the ball, keep moving the ball, you know, running it to, you know, the, the passing game looks like the run game. We're only trying to pick up six yards. So we could see something like that. We just, we just don't know what this tempro offense that they talk about is going to look like. When Brett Bielma throws out 
freshman names, mm-hmm. somewhat unsolicited. My antenna perk up. Do you 100%. yours? He 100%. has thrown out the name Henry Boyer yes. in the tight end room. Mm-hmm. Gabe Akis yes. in the outside linebacking room. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean Miller has been more Beatty of a, today. Yeah, he's mentioned Beatty several times. Darn straight, he does. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and what about uh, Sean Miller? We kind of ask more about Sean Miller because we know he's been dealing with injury. Uh-huh. and kind of want to know his status. But at least those first two make me wonder: Are they going to be seeing the field pretty quick? Uh, I think so. I mean, as much as I mean, he even kind of came out and said that in one of his quotes at Big Ten Media Days about Boyer and uh, and Akis. Of you know, he mentioned how they had gotten in a tussle in one of the drills because they were fighting to be the next guy up in the conditioning drill. And, you know that they're competitive guys and they they really and he likes that and he, he'll play that kind of guy early. So he's mentioned Boyer and Akis enough that um, yeah, I think that's true. And he has mentioned Hank Beatty several times the last few days is it just because he made a certain play in this practice or does it mean something we don't know because we can't see but um but it might be true so but they're trying to sell us on the idea that the outside linebacker room is very strong and deep yep even though carney's gone and gay's gone Mm -hmm. i don't i'm not convinced yet but they're definitely trying to sell that idea yeah i said that the other day like if they were if you know if i had to rank positions in order of my confidence of who the starter will be and I went all to 22 positions I would have Carney's replacement number 22 the last one I would do because is it Ezekiel Holmes is it the Virginia Tech transfer Alec Bryant is it the freshman Gabe Akis like you could convince me anybody is going to be out there at the Wyoming game. No, because no, no, they put the pads on and, yep. and they start playing in the next two weeks. That, that that position will be decided in the next two weeks. 100%. The yep. players will decide it. Yep. Well, yep. they will. Well, they will. Yep. And that's You're right. it should be. Yeah, yep. I mean, Keith Randolph is going to start. Johnny Newton is going to start. Those are guaranteed. They're not going to get beat out. They're going to start. Who starts in Owen Carney's spot? I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty sure Seth Coleman will be the the guy replacing um, yeah, replacing yeah. Isaiah Gay. But in Carney's position, it could be anybody. I mean, I think safety's pretty much locked up. Yeah, yeah. Although one of the young guys could come along and challenge uh, Kendall Smith. Now they did bring him back to replace Kirby at that free safety spot. He backed him up last year. He actually started the Northwestern game in front of Kirby because it was Senior Day. And uh, have you done thought, any statistical work on how many times they have five defensive backs in the game? I haven't. I should have. I had somebody. Would goals you, what for do you this think? Do you think it's over half? Uh, yeah, Summer yeah, goals. yeah. They. they you know, sometimes five defensive linemen they would have. You know, especially like in the first game, they came out. Look, we've got we've got Perry and we've got Randolph and got Newton, and then we have both defensive ends out there. Then they kind of switched that up to where, you know, they would only have three of the four linemen there with Carney maybe moving in and Kalen Tolson moves up and maybe he's the outside linebacker there on that edge, and that allowed them to put five defensive backs out there with, you know, Sidney Brown able to move up and be that extra linebacker if they needed so they they once they switched to that then yeah they were they were in that five defensive backs but so many times when they're in that five defensive backs it's almost like Quan martin is the is the strong safety and and uh and Kirby Joseph was the free safety, and then Sidney Brown was almost a linebacker in some instances so still got a few weeks to get summer goals done yes <laughs> you know 
get get that diorama finished. That's get, right. get the basement organized. That's right. And study I'll the nickel package. Study how many times we were in five defensive backs. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, Robert Rosenthal here from IlliniBoard.com. Uh, you wrote a, a very in-depth piece that um, a couple weeks ago now. I think it was a couple weeks ago. It all mm-hmm. runs together about showing up for the fans. <laughs> what what should or could be done besides winning? Because that's always the the universal cure all for for attendance is is that it in your mind or 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 I, is there I, something else i don't want this to sound bad but i'm not sure winning is gonna do, uh, fully do it this time I, I think back to that north carolina game in 2016 lovey's mm-hmm. i guess it was his second home game but the first actual opponent it's sold out the mm-hmm. only sellout in the 2010s, maybe? First sell? No, no they sold out uh, Arizona State in 2011. So I think it's like one of two sellouts this last decade. Uh, people tailgating all day, people are fired up, and then, of all people, Mitch Trubisky went off, and and Illinois lost the game going away. He threw for almost 400 yards, and, and that was that. And the season went 3-9, and nine, and the next year was 2-10, and 10, and even 2019 didn't really rescue it, and that was that. Um, so after so many stops and starts with this fan base, I'm not sure that, that it's just like, oh, they're winning again, time to go back. People have gone back so many times, even that game of like, Lovey's the coach now, we're in, sell out, big crowd. People have done that so many times that the next time, I'm, I'm not sure that's the mentality of the fan base. It's, it's almost a, I'm just going to wait and wait until I know that I know that I'm not being tricked again. So, you know, that's, that's the issue right now. I mean, attendance last year, let's just talk about it. It was 35,000 people a game. There was COVID. I get it, but it's the third lowest attendance since World War II. Okay, yeah. 1962, 1945, and 2000 or 21 are the three lowest attended seasons, and it keeps getting lower. Yes, it has dropped and, and, and dropped. And we and also dropped. know the fact that the last game against Northwestern, they announced 27, and the actual count was 11. Yeah. 11,000 people. For a good team that blew out Northwestern and had just beaten Minnesota and Penn State on the road. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's just wins that get it back. It's, it's, it has to come from just... I've, I'm In that article, I pointed to Iowa State, right? In 2015, when Bill Cubitt was the coach here and things were a mess here, um, Iowa State was even more a mess. Illinois was... Five and seven that year. Iowa State was three and nine. They end up end up firing their coach and they hire Mike Campbell. But even at the time, Iowa State was outdrawing Illinois by fifteen thousand. Mm-hmm. The fans were still like, "Hey, it's Saturday. We're going. We're in. This is just our thing. And someday they're going to be good." It was almost and it's the second school. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Correct. There is some of that. Like, well, if Iowa was going to sell out every game, dang it, we're gonna we're gonna show up too. You know, they sell out every game. We we Iowa State fans, we show up too. There was there is that kind of dynamic. There's just not that dynamic here, which is what has dropped attendance to 35,000 people. Um, I, as a fan, would hate to see Brett Bielen would be wildly successful and fans not buy into that because, hey, I've been burned by the last five people. I'm not going to put myself out there again kind of thing. I'll just stay home and watch it. What has to happen is just a fan investment of just saying, look, 
you know, ticket sales drive a program. You know, recruiting is helped by big crowds and everything else. The way I can help this team is I'm in, I'm buying a four-pack for this game, I'm doing that. You know, that's just what has to happen. It has to come from fans saying, look, it doesn't matter win or loss. This is my thing. It's what I do on Saturdays in the fall. I'm in. And uh, you know, that would have to happen to get off of this 35,000 number because, again, you know... <laughs> 2010, I looked it up the other day, or no, 2011, average was like 51,000, 55,000, something like that. This is way, way, way off where it used to be. I'm not even talking about Rose Bowl seasons or anything else. This is 20,000 less than the end of Turner. Well, they know it. They know it over there, and, yep. and they, they're doing uh, yep. they're doing all the things they can. They're trying to pull every level lever they can to attract people back. Totally agree. And And at some point, it's it's a good. It's still a good time. I mean, I, yes. it, it, if you're entirely going based on whether or not they will win or lose, I mean, at some point you're always setting yourself up for disappointment. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm the guy who's. I've used this analogy before. Like, you know, Illinois football is my thing, right? So I wouldn't miss it for the world. So I'm basically the guy. You know, you have that friend who likes that band that really only plays small venues, and he's a huge fan of that band. And when he goes and sees them with 80 people, he looks around, and he's like, how is there not, why are they not playing Assembly Hall? Like, why, this is the greatest band on earth. That's how I feel toward this. I look around at the Northwestern game, and like, we're destroying Northwestern. Isaiah Williams is going crazy. If they left him in the second half, he's going to have 200 yards on Northwestern. This is great. The hat's coming back. And you look around, and there's 12,000 people in the stands. It was Thanksgiving weekend. Right. It is, but look around the country on Thanksgiving weekend and you won't see the same thing. So it's a problem right now. It just is. That's why I wrote the article. It's just, let's call it out. Here's where it is. Um, I even called out (laughs) Chicago people. There's this pro sports view toward things of like, look, win the championship or I'm out, fire everyone. You know, it's just that kind of thing. And you know, I compared that to Iowa State fans who were like, look, it's just kind of our thing. We don't want to be left in the dust by the Hawkeyes. We're going to show up to and they've got 60,000. Not too many years where they were beating Iowa and then head and head. Yes. They had, they had some wins in that thing. I, I don't yep. remember the numbers, but I know they did. Yep. So it's just going to have to come from this movement among the fan base of like, look, investment is important. The coaches said, hey, you know, invest in this team and we're in. We're just going to buy the tickets and we're going to go. A brief uh, step aside here for traffic update. Uh, According to one of our listeners, uh, Neil is flooded between St. Mary's to at least Kirby, and a few cars are stuck because of all this rain. So I don't know if you're going that way, Robert, but you don't want to go back that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, But just an update there to to let you know ed bond has been our uh, meteorologist on the spot as well and the, not a meteorologist <laughs> i play one on the radio though yeah the lights at neil and windsor are flashing red okay so it's a stop sign round robin at neil and windsor basically it's raining really hard so it's raining very very hard <laughs> All right, uh, Mr. Rosenthal, uh, we always appreciate your time here. And as uh, things get cranked up, we'll be doing this a lot more. You got it. Anything uh, on your horizon that uh, is noteworthy? Uh, I'm hoping to be able to see some amount of some football practice. I promise not to say anything to the Wyoming coaches about it. I just want to see uh, what the freshmen look like. I got one last question. Uh, yep. A guy asked me this. Who is the player? Who are the two players that are going to pop out that we don't know anything about? Hmm. Uh, first player that comes to mind is Pat Bryant. 
uh, wide receiver. Okay. Um, they just really like him. They need a third wide receiver yes, to sir. pair with Washington and Williams. And um, I've been high on him. Like if you look at his offer list, he had Florida State, and you know he had a lot of big offers, and he was a big get. And it happened during COVID, so per- people were kind of weren't aware of it. But you know he worked his way through the rotation last year. He was one of the few res- freshmen to not redshirt. Um, and you know he, he's a complimentary receiver, taller guy, uh, lankier guy can go up and get it. Who's the so, other one? Uh, let's see. I probably should pick a defensive player, right? I'm intrigued by this guy they just added, Terrell Jennings. Oh, I, yeah, I know so little I about him. And it's a, so far a, from. It's a long shot. Yeah. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. the other guy I would say is probably Taz, uh, Taz Nicholson, the other cornerback. Uh, I think he can think win that starting job. I think he's going to start, but I think he's got a battle to hold that position. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And I, I think probably there's a there's a weakness there in terms. Well, I shouldn't call it a weakness. There, there's ten or twelve guys. Yes. And I don't know. I can't tell them apart. Right. I don't, I don't know who's going to right. step up in in support depth. Yeah. Bielema, or maybe it was Ryan Walters. I can't remember who it was at one of the press conferences mentioned him as far as having worked in the gym this off season to get strong enough to play corner in the Big Ten. Uh, and so that that was kind of the key last year. He did start two games in front of Tony Adams. They really like um, they really like him as a corner. He was just a freshman and really skinny and and um, you know kind of got pushed around a little bit. So uh, if he has added some bulk, then he's he's a guy who could come out of nowhere. Always good to see you, friend. Yes. Stay dry. Robert Rosenthal, IlliniBoard.com. We're back in a moment. Hi, I'm Paul Rudy. Good to visit with Robert Rosenthal. Again, take care if you're out there uh, needing to be out. Heavy rains. Neal Street flooded at least uh, on South Neal between uh, Neal, uh, between St. Mary's and Kirby. Summer update came as summer workouts end for Illinois basketball. Here's Brad Underwood with the latest. I've uh, been a very productive summer. All, all the freshmen except Ty, the other three were here for 12 weeks. Uh, that paid dividends. Uh, we, we've seen that in the weight room. We've seen it with weight gain. Uh, sky is cleared. Uh, he's 100%. Uh, that happened a week ago, so really a significant summer for him in terms of his growth and, and uh, uh, the mental uh, piece. He had his best workout of the year, his last one uh, yesterday, and so uh, seeing significant growth and sincere in terms of adding weight and, and, and Jaden's improvement and strength gain uh, has been well, uh, well received. So. Uh, Ty joined us, obviously, after his gold medal performance with USA Basketball uh, and just jumped right in and fit perfectly. So, uh, good summer, um, and, and uh, I thought we touched on a lot of things team-wise, uh, on the, especially on the defensive side. Uh, but uh, the biggest thing is, is getting those guys in the weight room. Uh, obviously, we did not have Zach. Uh, Zach is playing. Jeff just got home uh, this morning. Uh, from Turkey, uh, watching Zach play with the French national team in the U18s. Uh, he had a great day today with 18 and 13. Uh, they're a very, very good team. Uh, could win it. And um, you know, Jeff thought he was in line to possibly be the, the MVP if they did win it. So <clears throat> uh, we're still going through all the admissions and I-20 stuff uh, with him and his, and his process, uh, but expect him here. Uh, for the start of school as the world championships then end uh, this weekend. So he'll get a couple weeks off, and, and, and uh, uh, we'll expect him here 
uh, late August. So, uh, great summer. Uh, you know, it was a, a shorter summer with Matt. Uh, Matt got in after he got his finished his his degree at, at Baylor. Got in in the middle of uh, middle of July, and um, and then fought a few little nagging back things that kept him out some. But um, we'll have him full go and ready to blow and, and go, so to speak, in uh, in August. So, great summer. Excited. Uh, it's. Uh, quickly upon us but but right now it's about everybody kind of catching your breath uh getting a little time away and uh, that's good for the coaches as well and we have the mandatory dead period coming up on the sixth so plan to all, all of us take advantage of that during this time there you go if you can hear us over the thunder here the i-20 for me referred to is what international students have to uh fill out and it shows you're legally enrolled at a U.S. university. Yeah, it's just a, a matter of course. That they'll, mm-hmm. And they'll get through this. And I see they're going to bring him along slowly, Bahrain. Bahrain. And I, I would think that he would probably wind up being a backup for uh, danger, at least oh, yeah. in the beginning. And uh, I don't know what you know how much he'll play, but Illinois has got a lot of home games that uh, early that that they can play anybody and everybody, and that's what they'll do. And Sky Clark, a hundred percent. That's also welcome news for Illini fans. We will transition into hour two after this. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Yeah, one of them's going to be the starting quarterback, and they knew each other for ten years. Their relationship goes back. Art Sikowski, Tommy DeVito, both Jersey boys. And now they're competing for the same spot on the roster. We'll see how it all plays out. Well, actually, we won't see how it plays out. We'll just kind of see how it played out. He's going to tell the team a week before the game. I wonder if it's pop out from there, if we'll find out a week before the game. I think Art Sikowski's going to text us all <laughs> the results. All right, sir, we'll see you tomorrow. All right. Appreciate it. Appreciate Robert Rosenthal being here. Everybody be cautious with the rain and thunder. And hour two coming up, Evan Kahn's in. We'll hear more from football and basketball and some baseball talk. WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Here's-